Good morning. The title of our message this morning is The New Normal. Yes, that title is totally for the sensationalist effect that comes with it. But I promise no CDC guidelines, no hand-washing stations, no curbside pickup. Colossians 3 is totally about the new self that is promised once we are in Christ. The new self within the context of everyday living as a follower of Jesus so this title, The New Normal, seems to fit pretty well. Colossians 3 that we just read is about the new normal for a believer once we are in Christ. And we use that phrase, in Christ. That's, that's church speak. Let's stop right there. Let's remind ourselves, in Christ, born again, salvation by faith, through grace, getting saved from your sin. What, what is all this? What, what's, what's, what's being communicated? It's the wonderful gospel. It's a great gospel and the perfect, wonderful news that Jesus died for sinners like me and you. It's the everyday sinner like me and you that comes to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and finds forgiveness for all eternity and forgiveness from their sins. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, this can be the day of salvation. This can be the day that you find Christ and find new life in Him. You're more than welcome to talk to church members, more than welcome to talk to church staff. If you'd like to email the staff and talk and ask what does it mean to have new life in Christ? I encourage you to do so. The most wonderful decision anybody could make is to call out to Christ in salvation and find forgiveness from sin. That being said, Colossians 3 is for those who have met Jesus, who have become radically new people in Christ. Colossians 3 talks about once we are in Christ, we are a new person. And this is a theme found all through the New Testament. John chapter 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. 2 Peter chapter 1 talks about having a divine nature, being a partaker of the divine nature as a Christian. And of course, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Two passages that really kind of shape what we're going to be referring to this morning, talking about the old man and the new man. I take us to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So you can see there's a part of me that's been crucified. That's my old nature. That's the sinful me. That's the sinful person in you. We have this old nature, the sinful nature, but now as we see in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, there's also now somebody who's alive. There's a part of me now that is alive. And we know from the Bible that, well, that sounds so like a contradiction. There's, there's, there's a deadness to sin and there's aliveness to spirituality. There's aliveness to the will of God. Isn't there some conflict there? Yeah, it is. We see in Scripture that the Spirit lusts against the flesh, and the flesh lusts against the Spirit. There's a conflict there. And somebody who knew it well was, was the Apostle Paul. Listen to Romans chapter 7. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want. He's referring to himself in the spiritual man, this new man, this life in Christ. And there's a certain... Uh, there's an element of anticipation of fulfilling God's will. But then he says, but I do the very thing I hate. He knows what it's like to succumb to the desires of the flesh. Verse 16, now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. 
For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. To verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And if you've walked with Christ for any stretch of time, you know the same frustration. God, your will is within me. My, my, my passion and my love for you to follow you is there. And so is this old man that wants to hold me back, wants to tempt me with his desires. Oh, the wretchedness of my own flesh we cry out. This is the new normal for Christ. Oh, excuse me, for Christians. For those of us that are in Christ, this is the new normal. But the theme of all of Colossians has been what? Christ over all. And what a blessing to know this morning that this new me is empowered by the very person of Jesus Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. The new creature is now alive to the things of God, can bear the fruits of the Spirit, can powerfully defeat sin, live each day with a divine purpose, and exhibit Jesus as Lord to the world around us. You could say this new normal is quite awesome. Well, the new normal, new, that's, that's referring to new Christians, right? New believers, those that call upon the name of the Lord to get saved more, more recently, right? Well, new here is not so much contingent upon time, like a, a new car was new, and now it's not so new. A newlywed is no longer newlywed at a certain time, I have no idea. Um, but this newness is not so much contingent on time as much as it's a comparison to the old, right? Um, in my house, is a pack of football cards. The football card that is new, right? You break open the factory seal and you can smell it. There's a shiny, smooth-looking football card. So much better than the old card, right? That's been stepped on, that's coffee stains. A new pair of shoes, no creases, no scuff marks, right? So much better than the old shoe that just looks bad, smells bad, right? This new life we have in Christ is so much better than the old. Why? Again, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So what's so new about this new normal? Our outline today is pretty simple. There's a new thinking, new task, and a new thanksgiving that I want to take us through this morning. First in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, we see a new thinking, a new mindset, a new perspective, maybe a new worldview. And our scripture, our passage opens up with these words. If then you have been raised with Christ, our minds can seemingly wrap around the concept that our sin was there at Calvary on that Good Friday, right? We read verses like 2 Corinthians 5.21. He became sin who knew no sin. Isaiah chapter 53. Our iniquity, the Lord was, and on the Lord, the iniquity of us all was, was laid upon him. We understand that our sin was taken care of Friday. But can we understand that on Sunday morning, when Christ arose, something special was happening. When the breath of Christ returned to his lungs, and he swung his feet powerfully over the shelf and stood up triumphantly, we stood up with him. In a sense, we stood up with him. And all of his followers stood up as well. Why? Because the dead in sin, dead in trespasses of sin, were now, there was a now potential for them to become alive in Christ. 
if Jesus does not bring him dead, his dead self to life, then there's no new life for us. But he did. And here we are, spiritual people. Jesus arose. We arose. Jesus ascended. Well, we'll get there. We're stuck on earth, aren't we? We're stuck on earth with this old man. And we'll get to him in just a second. But presently, our bodies that cannot be with Christ, well, our hearts and minds can be with Christ. Keep reading. You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things of this earth. So we now have a new thinking. We are to have spiritual thoughts, not carnal thoughts. When we look at money, money is not uh, a means to add to our plush life as much as it's to live and to give. We see neighbors as people to serve, not to manipulate for our good. People at Walmart aren't in the way. They're souls that Jesus died for. My home is a temporary dwelling place for alien me. My eternal home is to come. My identity is not found in my status, my online profile, not even my race. Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, I'll jump down there. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all in, in all. My identity is found in Christ first and foremost. Success is not a position or a paycheck amount. It is faithfulness to the Father's will. So back to Colossians chapter 3. Notice our minds is to be where Christ is, at the right hand of the Father. We see that right there in verse 1. Right hand of the Father. We may remember that from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, right? Jesus endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat at the right hand of the Father. It was an appropriate place to sit down at the right hand of the Father because he perfectly fulfilled the Father's will. So when our mind is set on things above, on Jesus at the right hand of the Father, it's only appropriate to recognize that we should have the same mindset as Jesus, and that was to fulfill the Father's will. John chapter 20. As the Father sent me, so I send you. As the Father sent Jesus to fulfill the Father's will, so we are to fulfill the Father's will. Jesus taught us to pray. How? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't it neat that before Jesus took his rightful place at the right hand of the Father, he was already teaching his disciples to seek those things above and set your mind on things above? But there's just one problem. The back part of verse 2. The back part of verse 2. We are to accomplish the Father's will and have our mind on accomplishing the Father's will, but there it is in the back part of verse 2. Not on things of the earth. Oh yeah, that's right. We're stuck on earth. Right? It's like a sugar crash, right? It sounds so good and then, ugh. It's like three bags of Skittles are fun for about 20 minutes. And then the sugar crash. We're on earth. The things we see, the things we hear, the things we touch, the things we scroll through right? It's all things of the earth, and how easy it is for our minds that were once set on heaven now to get shifted down to the circumstances that surround us, and we get so flabbergasted by these things. We start to worry. We, we, we start to covet all these things. So easily it happens. So the question begs, 
how can we cultivate this thinking of heavenly things, of the Father's will, not the earth's will? If we want this, this is great because it, it absolutely would fulfill the command of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Romans 12, 2 and Colossians 3, 2 complement each other wonderfully. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Here we are stuck in this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's what we want. But by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. Yes, that's what we're trying to achieve, right? As the Father sent me, so I send I you, Jesus said. I'm trying to fulfill the, the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Well, how about that transformation? How about that renewal? Yes, I need that. We want that. Well, here it is. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 provides us with great hope because we can have a transformed mind. We can have a mind that defaults to the things above and um, shuns the things of this earth. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. And here's the promise. Are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is a spirit, the Spirit. So there it is. Beholding the glory of the Lord, we can be transformed? What, what does that look like? Well, the glories of the Lord, where are they found? It starts right here. In the Word of God, right? The whole redemption story of Jesus is right here. All the wisdom of his teaching, all of his miracles, all his power over creation and sin is found right here. And as we fixate our eyes on Jesus and his glory through his word, the world begins to wash away. Remember that song we just sang, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Colossians 3.10, in the scripture we're studying, notice what it says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge at the image of his creator. We fixate our eyes on Jesus, and there will be transformation according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. John Piper sheds some light on, uh, light on this topic. He talks about the transformation of the Holy Spirit's work being a double work of the Holy Spirit. He calls it the outside in and the inside out. This is what he says. I'm quoting John Piper. The Spirit must work from the outside. By the way, it is the Spirit's work. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So back to the quote. The Spirit must work from the outside in through Christ's exalting truth. Before the quote, Piper elaborates, Christ's exalting truth, the word of God. And from the outside, through truth embracing humility. Oh, excuse me, from the inside out, through truth embracing humility. Piper's telling us that the Holy Spirit desires to get the word of God into us from the outside in. And then his work on the inside is to break the stubborn heart of ours and create a yes, Lord, I will spirit within us. And so the combination of the two, God's word in front of our eyes and in our hearts, and then a spirit on the inside that says, yes, Lord, I will, transformation happens. Renewal of the mind happens. Ephesians 5, 26, that he might sanctify her, referring to the church, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. The word of God is absolutely essential for the transformation of 
our minds. Getting our minds to a place where we set our, our mind on things above, seeking the things above, it begins with our study of the word of God. To finish Piper's quote, if he only, talking about God, if, he, if God only worked from the outside in by presenting Christ's exalting truth to our minds, but not breaking the hard heart and making it humble, then the truth would be despised and rejected. And if he only humbled the hard heart, but put no Christ's exalting truth before the mind, there would be no Christ to embrace and no worship would happen. So outside in, inside out, do we see the importance of Bible study and prayer? How important it is that we are studying God's word and we're praying and coming before God broken before him. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, there's no transformation apart from seeing the glories of the Lord in his word. So this new normal for believers a new thinking. We're going a little further. The new task within us is part of our new normal as well. So I want to talk about the new task within this new normal. Look at Colossians chapter 3, 5 and 7. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. So notice we have a task right there in verse five. And the task is put to death. If you've, been, if you've been reading Colossians closely, you might ask yourself, put to death what is already dead? Look back at verse three. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. But it says we've died, so what are we putting to death? Is the old man dead? Yes, he's dead in this fact that the dead man has no dominion over us, right? His chains cannot shackle us down for eternity. The old man has no ownership over us. He's powerless over the spiritual. He's forever sentenced to this earth, but we're trapped in him. I mean, look at us. We're all flesh, right? We're all flesh. We're all made of the same stuff, and it's called sinful flesh. We're stuck here. We're stuck in it. And there's a conflict now between the old man and the new man. The spirit lusts after the flesh, and the flesh lusts after the spirit. So the command here in verse 5 is to put to death, uh, put to death what is earthly in you. Well, how do you put anything to death? Without being too morbid, um, best way to illustrate, maybe you've, you've used Roundup. If you read the, the back of your Roundup container, um, there is something called glyphosate. And I'm gonna stand up here and act like I know how to say that. Glyphosate, that chemical is used to prevent the plant from producing EPSP. EPSP is needed to build and sustain a plant. You take that away, there's no plant, there's no, there's no weed, right? Keep that illustration as you hear the words in Romans chapter seven, verse 13, excuse me, Romans 13, verse 14. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Put to death, how do we do this? Make no provision for the flesh. I heard this illustration once, please bear with me. It works for me, it might not work for you. But picture two dogs in your backyard, okay? Uh, two dog houses, uh, two bowls, they're both tied up to the dog house. Let one dog represent the flesh dog. Let one dog represent the spirit dog. 
What is our goal? What, is, what do we want to do? We want to feed the spirit dog as much as we can. The best of Alpo, the best of Purina, smooth skin, healthy teeth, right? But we don't want to feed the flesh dog. We don't want to give him any food, any water. What's going to happen? Obviously, the one dog is going to grow strong and powerful, assertive, and the flesh dog's what? Going to grow weaker and weaker. We want the buzzards flying over the flesh dog. Of course, the illustration is not perfect because in that illustration, a dog can die. We know on this side of eternity, the flesh will always be with us. But you see the point. The point is this, is that we want the spirit to grow strong within us and the flesh to grow weaker and weaker and weaker. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Maybe we need to have a moment that's honest. We think about what is it in our lives, those times in our lives where we look to gratify the flesh. Just to be honest with ourselves. We, we can obviously go and talk about media. Oh, yeah. We grab some media and, you know, we can put things in front of our eyes that are not going to be good for us. Take us towards impure thoughts. Take us towards lust. Stuff the flesh loves. And not just that. We can scroll through things that can get us all in a tizzy about worry. Who loves worry? The flesh. The flesh loves worry. The spirit is saying what? The just shall live by faith. The flesh says, give me worry. The flesh says, give, give, give me more, right? Covetousness. The Spirit's trying to lead us to a life of godliness with contentment is great gain. The Spirit wants, excuse me, the flesh wants covetousness. So what are we doing to entertain that? Does the scrolling need to cease? Do we need to change our outlook and our mindset on things? Do we need to change things in our conversations? We can let conversations go in such a way that we make ourselves look good. Who's enjoying that? The flesh, right? The Spirit says, let another man praise you, not your own lips. But will that conversation go in such a way that we look good? That's gratifying the flesh. We need to honestly examine our life and say, where am I making provision for the flesh? So important to victory over the flesh is Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Memorize this verse. This is great. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I would have been okay if the Bible verse said, but I say, walk in the Spirit, and you're going to do pretty well against the flesh. That's not what it says. It's a blanket statement beyond all blanket statements. We're not supposed to make blanket statements. We can't. We're human. But can God make blanket statements? Absolutely. He can make all the blanket statements he wants. He promises us when we walk by the Spirit, we're not going to gratify the flesh. We may feel beat up by sin. We may feel like the weakling on the playground that just gets pushed around by the bully of sin. Well, this verse is our, is our hope. If we walk by the Spirit, we're going to be victorious. You may say, Dave, I like your little cute dog stories, but you, the flesh is strong, man. The flesh is strong. It comes at me heavy, like waves getting bigger and bigger, and the current starts dragging me down. It takes me to a place of sin and a season of just, oh, how could I do such stupid stuff? We can't forget how strong the Spirit is. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I think sometimes we forget just how strong the Spirit is is and can be in a yielded life. I'll take you to another dog story. When I was growing up, um, one of my good friends had a, had a little puppy named Magoo. Right? I think he was a, a golden retriever type. And as a little puppy, he was not allowed in the uh, living room. So the gate was put up against the, just leaned up against the, um, the side of the kitchen door and he couldn't get into the living room. It wasn't locked down or anything. Uh, and that was fine. Kept Magoo in the, in the kitchen. Well, Magoo grew, and I became a really big dog. I would watch 
my friend and Magoo wrestle in the backyard. I'm not exaggerating. They're in the same weight class. He was a big dog. We'd bring him back into the house, and he'd be in the kitchen. And again, the rule was he couldn't go into the living room, so the gate would go back up, still not locked, just leaning on the wall. And it was pitiful to watch this huge dog stand by the gate whimpering, wanting so badly to get into the living room. By this time, he towered over the gate. All he had to do was just swipe it with his paw, and he had all the sofas he ever wanted. This flimsy, pathetic gate was in the way. Is there a flimsy, pathetic gate in our life? Yes, self. It is self. How do we frustrate the Spirit's power in our life? How do we quench the Spirit in our life? We develop a spirit of what? Me, I, I want. My life. My future. My day. My money. It's what I want. Self says, my will. Submission says, thy will. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. For the mind that is set on the flesh, I, is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Stifling spiritual growth, stifling spiritual work is rather simple. Just enlarge self in our life. Just make it about us. Make it about our glory. Make it about our desires. Make it about what we want. And the opposite so true. Walking by the Spirit, God, I trust you. Not what I want. God, I need you. You go first. I'm second. Remember the Beatitudes. I hope that those messages of the Beatitudes are staying with us. Not entrance requirements of the kingdoms, right? But characteristics of Christ followers in his kingdom. Do you notice that self breaks at every junction within the Beatitudes? Blessed are the poor in spirit. God, my righteousness is pitiful. Broken self. Blessed are those who mourn. God, my sin is disgusting to your holiness. Blessed are the meek. God, my power or ability I have is yours. Blessed are those, those who hunger. God, my world offers me no satisfaction. I want your righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. God, help me remember and never forget how worthy I am of your mercy. Blessed are the pure. God, like David, I need you to create a clean heart in me. Blessed are the peacemakers. God, I'll admit I'm wrong to you and to others. Blessed are the persecuted. God, my comforts are second to your glory. Do you see how self just breaks at every junction? Broken, broken, broken. Roy Hessen said in his book, The Calvary Road, to be broken is the beginning of revival. It is painful, it is humiliating, but it's the only way. It is not I, but Christ. And a sea is a bent eye. The Lord Jesus cannot live in us fully and reveal himself through us until the proud self within us is broken. A broken self is key to reliance on the Spirit. God abases the proud and gives grace and uplifts the humble. And again, it goes back to our prayer life. Jesus gave this example, and he woke up early and met with the Father. We don't have those early morning prayers recorded but we have a prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane recorded, right? Not my will, your will be done. And I can only imagine the same prayer was prayed every morning as he met with his father. I don't know about you, but I don't wake up spiritual. 
in, in, in the spirit of confessing our sins one to another, I, I don't wake up spiritual. Uh, when the alarm clock goes off and you hear the sound of dying birds, I don't have a lot of spiritual thoughts going on right then. I, I, don't, I don't wake up and think about solving world hunger. I wake up and waddle to the pantry and satisfy my own hunger, right? Look at my box of Cheerios. I don't wake up spiritual. I gotta spend time with God. I gotta spend time with him and realize, wait a minute, it's not about me. It never is. I heard a preacher say this once. He said, why did God give us a, a free will? He said, see that free will that God gives you? See it as a gift God gives you that you can turn around and give back to him every day. So every day we have something to give to God. It is our free will. It's God, I offer my life, my day, my conversations, my heart, my motives. It's a broken will. God, use as you desire. Father, let your will be done on earth today as it is in heaven. Back to Colossians 3. I want to show us one more thing before we get to the new Thanksgiving. Well, actually, actually, the second part of the task. Back in Colossians 3, there's, there's maybe a little subheading to dying, dying to self. Notice what the Bible says about our communication. Chapter 3, then let's pick up a verse 8. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of the creator. Our talk can serve as a litmus test to show us if we're walking with the spirit. It really can. What, what comes out of our mouth can reveal our heart. Jesus told us this in Matthew chapter 12. You brood of vipers, he's talking to the uh, Pharisees. How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's coming out of our mouths? If it's anger, then it's not long-suffering. If it's wrath and malice, it's not joy and peace. If it's slander, it's not love. If it is obscene talk, it's not self-control. If it's lying, it's certainly not goodness. So all those things that were mentioned, goodness, joy, peace, self-control, long-suffering, those are the fruits of the Spirit. So the opposite would show us the fruits of the flesh, right? We do well to listen to what we're saying. Our talk is telling, maybe in another moment of honesty, we can recognize, hey, things that are coming out of my mouth, those need to be in subjection to the Lord as well. Put off. But then we're also commanded in verse 12 to put on. The second part of our task. Let's look at verse 12 to verse 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. The command of Scripture is to put on. We just spent some time highlighting what the Spirit does in our life through brokenness. So we might want to ask ourselves, who does what in this process of sanctification? Sanctification is, is church speak for becoming more like Jesus. It's what the Holy Spirit does in our life once we get saved, becoming more like Christ. So, so what's our role? What's the Holy Spirit's role? I, I spent some time reading what different theologi theologians would say. There's a little bit of debate how much the Holy Spirit does, how much the believer does. I think it's, it's, it's good to just let the Word of God speak for itself. We know it's the Spirit's work, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 
said it is the Spirit's work. But the Bible also tells us, put on the whole armor of God. Confess your sins one to another. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're told to go. This is a fun conversation you may have with your community group. But um, how about Samson in the Old Testament? The Holy Spirit came upon Samson. He picked up a jawbone. What, what was the spiritual element? I, did Samson take out the first 20 and the Holy Spirit took out the rest? Um, how about the New Testament, the leper? The leper was told, hey, go see the high priest for a certificate of cleansing, right? And the Bible said on the way they were cleansed. Was it the first step? Halfway there? When they saw the high priest? When were they cleansed? We don't know. John chapter 3, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus, and he gives us the idea that as the wind blows, we may not know where it's blowing or what it's going to do. So is the work of the Spirit. It's not, it's not so much for us to know. Romans chapter 11, verse uh, 34. Who has known the mind of the Lord? When does the clay look at the potter and say, Lord, what are you up to? Can I give you my, uh, my, my ideas? No way, right? The Holy Spirit calls us to live a broken life and to obey. They're not in conflict. They're absolutely symmetrical. Is brokenness really brokenness if obedience does not follow? Or doesn't the very act of obedience suggest brokenness? Nowhere in Scripture do we have this idea that we're supposed to get in some sort of spiritual trance and somehow the, the, the Holy Spirit's going to give us supernatural jolt of electricity and, and get us doing good things. No, we're told to break and to obey like we're a leaf falling from the tree, landing in the river of the Spirit, taken out to the sea. No, the Holy Spirit. No, the Spirit's work is found in brokenness and obedience. James says, I'll show you my faith by my works. Doesn't it follow that our brokenness is really only seen through works? If brokenness is really any good in the first place, obedience must follow. So new thinking, a new task, finally a new thanksgiving. The final three verses are actually sermons uh, within themselves. But I think we can read through them, study them a little bit, and see how they provide clarity to the previous. Let me read verse, um, verse 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, so which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. Verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness, in your hearts to God. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I think it's pretty obvious God is calling us to live a, a thankful life, to have a thankful disposition. When sincere thanksgiving happens, what are we really saying? Think about it. If we're thankful to God and thankful to each other, what, what, what's really going on in our heart? We're really saying this, talking about sincere thanks, not flattery, not that foolishness. But sincere thanksgiving says, you, you made me better. I was here and you, you, you lifted me up. I'm, I'm not worthy of this, thank you. I'm no better than you, right? The waitress puts the glass in front of us at the restaurant, hey, thank you. A sincere thank you says, hey, you, you're not my servant, you're just doing a job. You're, I'm no better than you. I'm indebted to you, I didn't deserve that. If obedience is the action of brokenness, perhaps we can say thanksgiving is the verbal outpouring of brokenness. Here's the thing about self. 
Self can break, but then it comes back, doesn't it? It's like soap scum in the shower, right? We could scrub that off, but give it a few weeks. Soap scum's coming back, right? We can go to the dentist and clean off the teeth real nice. Get that, get that gleam back, right? But hey, a few weeks later, hopefully not a few weeks later, but as you uh, eat, enjoy some meals, what's coming back? Plaque. Plaque is coming. So what do you have to do? You have to brush. You have to brush and scrub the shower again. You've got to hopefully brush your teeth, floss, right? What is that doing? That's maintaining uh, the cleanliness. Thanksgiving is like that brush, right? It keeps self low. It keeps self in check. It keeps self down where it's supposed to be, where it's not building up and getting stronger in our life again. Staying within the lens of thanksgiving, let's look at these three verses again before we close. The Bible says again in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. Where's the thanksgiving in this? Oh, it's so obvious. Do we notice that the rule of Christ brings us to peace? That's how he desires to rule us, through, through, through peace. The world's rule offers reward, right? Uh, promotion, uh, pay raise, uh, fame, right? Christ desires to rule us by peace. He wants to give us something the world can't offer. So Christ's rule brings peace into our life. Thank you, Lord. Another thing we notice from this is our ruler is moment by moment with us. You know what it's like to have the peace of God disrupted, don't you? Yeah, going back to the things we say, something come out of our mouth and right away we go, ooh. The hand that presses a sore that David talked about in the, in the Old Testament comes down and reminds us, no, 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 child, that's the flesh, that's not the spirit, that's not what I'm leading you to, right? But notice what's going on there. Christ in the spirit is leading us moment by moment. So he's absolutely right when he says, I'm never gonna leave you, I'm never gonna forsake you. Thank you, Lord. How about this? How about, how about we have a ruler that's intimate, down to our very thoughts and motives, right? We, we just talked about our talk. How about, how about our thoughts? A thought comes to our mind and we know, no, no, bring that into the captivity of Jesus Christ. Man, he's down to our thoughts and motives. So when Jesus said, I, I, I know you down to the number of hairs on your head, he wasn't lying. He's absolutely right and he's showing it to us by the day, the, the day in, day out, ruling us by his spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. My ruler is that of peace. He's so intimate. He's day by day, moment by moment. How about verse 16? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our heart. We've got the word of God. We have the word of God and we have a spirit who guides us in all truth. Thank you, Lord. We have brothers and sisters that we admonish and sing with and to together. Thank you, Lord, my brothers and sisters. As Chris talked about before worship, man, how good it is to see each other in three dimensionals, right? No more, no two dimensionals on a screen, right? We have to listen to each other now. We can't mute each other, right? In virtual church, I don't want to hear this guy. We didn't do that. No, we didn't. I didn't either. But man, what a wonderful thing to look out and see, these are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, we share the same passions. We share the same weaknesses. We encourage each other with every day. Wow, thank you, Lord, my brothers and sisters. Thank you for my family in Christ. Verse 17, 
do everything, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We have a divine purpose within this divine nature, to be lived out in the divine nature. I have purpose every day. Every conversation, I have purpose to demonstrate the love of Christ. Every task on the job, every task at school, every task on the ball field, every task in the hallway, whatever it may be, in the home, is to glorify Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for purpose. I don't live this life empty, wondering what tomorrow brings. No, Lord, I have purpose. Do you see how we have a new Thanksgiving? We have a new thinking. We have a new task. And we finally, we have that new Thanksgiving. As we close, we'll close where we began. Our new life is so much better than the old. The all-sufficient Christ in us, he is the hope of glory. It is a hope of glory that Christ is within us. Think about this, however. When we restrict the Holy Spirit's work by self, we talked about this, but restricting the Holy Spirit's work in our life and allowing the flesh to get strong in our life and the spirit to get weak, what are we left with? The flesh. We're left with the flesh. We need to ask ourselves, would I want my children to be raised by the fleshly old man? Do I want my spouse to be married to the old me? How about my neighbors? Am I really going to testify to my neighbors in the old self, the flesh? No way. Is racism going to end in our neighborhoods through the old man? No, the spiritual. Through the attitude of, Lord, I need you. Lord, I break before you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's take a minute and pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Father, we need your mercy every morning. There's nothing good within us. Um, Lord, as we see your word testifying this morning, we are bent to sin. We are so quick to default to a bad motive. We're so quick to go away of selfishness. Lord, empower us. Empower us this week. Help us to see and have beautiful time with you in which we recognize again that we need your spirit to indwell us and empower us to live this Christian life, ultimately for the glory of Jesus Christ. Thank you again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.